1: This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word.
0: I so desperately want to live a big life. Where nothing shakes me, nothing deters me. Man, I am rock solid and I just keep going forward.
1: Today with Jeff Vines. Hello and welcome. My name is Bill. Thanks so much for joining me again on Today with Jeff Vines. Last time we looked at Moses and the burning bush. And now in this episode, we're looking at Abraham's relationship with God and his trust in God, and at times, his lack of trust. In this message, Pastor Jeff is talking about living the big life, a life full of confidence and trust in God. No matter where you are in your walk, there's something for you to take away from this message. So let's get into it now with Pastor Jeff, here on Today with Jeff Vines.
0: How many uh, in the room uh, want to live a big life? Anybody? You know, a big life. I mean, you want a life that's full. Man, you want a big, big life. Don't be shy now. Come on, raise it up. I want a big life. Okay, that's good. Because some of you, I know you're hesitating because you're thinking, well, it depends on how you define that. I'm actually trying to lose weight <laughs> and I would, I would rather be downsizing. But the kind of life I'm talking about is the kind of life I've always wanted to live since the time I was very, very young. It's the kind of life that no matter what's happening, no matter what is happening around me, it just doesn't matter, that I'm rock solid, you know. Nothing deters me, nothing frustrates me for too long, nothing disappoints me for too long. There might be seasons or times in my life where there's sorrow and mourning, but they're short-lived. Just around the corner, man, I'm back up on top, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going strong. It's like Jesus, you know, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, that kind of big life. I've always wanted to be able to live that kind of life, the kind of life that when you walk into a room, you just lift everybody else up because they know there's hardly ever a time when you're just whining and complaining. You're just always ready to go, ready to see what's around the corner, over the horizon, that kind of life. The kind of life that reads something like Jeremiah twenty nine eleven that says, "For I know the plans I have for you," declares the Lord, "plans to prosper you and not to harm you; plans to give you a hope and a future." The kind of life that reads that and believes and trusts God resolutely, completely, never shaken, never deterred, man, just keeps going because you really believe, even though you may not understand it at the time, that God has. A hope for you, a, a plans to prosper you. And if you just keep going forward, all those plans that He has for your life are gonna come into fruition, come into being. The type of life that reads Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that in all things God works together. Of those who love God who have been called according to his purpose. The kind of life that no matter how bleak things look at the moment, you believe that God is large and in charge and ultimately you can trust him and you put your hope in him. The kind of life that reads Romans 8:32 where Paul says, "He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all good things?" The kind of life that says, "Man, God in the past was not willing or was willing to give his own son. So how much more then will he be willing to give us all good things?" Man, I want that kind of life. I want the kind of life that is rock solid through everything, man, that is not contingent on anything outside, but man, I always believe and trust the promises of God that whatever's happening is going to bring about good. It's going to bring about some great design, a divine weaver, a grand weaver that's weaving the cords of my life together, and it is going to come out victoriously. That's the kind of life I want to live, the kind of life that's never deterred, we're where joy is central, sorrow is only peripheral. Where there are moments of sorrow, but joy is the defining characteristic of my life. That's the kind of person I desperately want to be. Nothing shakes me. Nothing deters me. Nothing. Nothing puts me off the promises of God. And I always trust them to become a reality sooner or later. Now, that is the kind of life. That's a big life, man. And that's the kind of life I want to live, but I don't. Does anybody? Why do I have so many moments in my life where there's doubt? Doubt God. Why do I fall apart sometimes at the first sign of trouble? I'll preach a great message on the weekend about positive, you know, God is with us. If he is with us, you know, who can be against us? And then the smallest little thing Monday around 10 a.m. will send me into, oh, my life is over. (laughs) Why do I sometimes become so easily distracted and get off the path? Even though I know it won't lead to life. Why does my life sometimes look so small? And why am I sometimes so pathetic? Oh my goodness. Like I said, the smallest thing happens and I'm just like pity party. Oh, woe is me. My life is so tough until I meet somebody else whose life really is tough. Charlie Brown, great cartoon I want to read to you. It's one of my favorite. You mope around too much, Charlie Brown, says Linus. You got to stop feeling sorry for yourself, says Linus to Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown responds by saying, why shouldn't I feel sorry for myself? I'm very tender hearted. (laughs) That's me. That's me. I've got great empathy for others, but my greatest and most intense empathy is reserved for myself. (laughs) Right? I so desperately want to live a big life. I really do where nothing shakes me, nothing deters. Man, I am rock solid, and I just keep going forward from success to success, from glory to glory, the apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians. But I don't. Why? I don't believe there's a better story in the Bible than this story of Abraham's encounter with God to show us why we don't live the big life and what we need in order to live the big life. And how God's gonna get us there. So if you're interested in living a big life, now don't listen if you're not, take your email, do whatever you want. But if you want a big life, if you want the big, big life that you've always wanted, you're looking for that, then you've got to listen. Now it starts by understanding a few things about Abraham. God has visited him four times, and every time it's been a dramatic encounter. The first was in Genesis 12, and God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, get out. Now leave your home, leave your people. Leave your country. And everything that you're familiar with, I want you to forsake and leave. And I'm not even going to tell you where you're going. I just want you to leave. And that would have been tough in Abraham's time and culture because it takes a lot of time to build safety and security. And uh, when you've got that, and then God just comes along and says, I want you to leave, get out of everything that you're familiar with. And the Bible says, so Abraham got out. He did what God asked him to do. And he did not know whither. I love that word whither he was going. He didn't know where he was going. Second time, Genesis chapter 15, God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And through your descendants will come one that will bless the entire world. And as soon as Abraham heard that, he's going to be thinking, well, I'm assuming God's going to do two things. Once he's he's going to give me a child. Can't have a lot of descendants if I don't have one. Second, he must give me a land so that I can protect this generation of people so that they can prosper so that my descendants can be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand in the seashore. And then the third encounter is Genesis 17 where Abraham comes to God and this time he does the talking and he says this to God. God, you promised you would give me a child and I've been waiting 25 years. Think about it, God gives you a promise and it's 25 years later and it's still not become a reality. And he says, I'm now 99 years old and my wife is 90. And God's response is this. And your point is, (laughs) well, God, we're old. We're old. And you promised a child. And what does God say? If you've read the text, he says, I know, just wait. And then the fourth and final encounters in Genesis chapter 22, when finally God delivers a child, Sarah, they name him Isaac. And you know what God does now, don't you? God comes to Abraham and says, "Abraham, you know that child that you love with all your heart, with all your soul, man, that you just adore? I want you to take him and I want you to sacrifice him to me. Abraham, I want you to kill your son. Now, someone has schematized Abraham's life and they've said it like this. God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I'm going to send you out. And Abraham says, where? And God says, I'll show you. Just go. Later, he comes back, Abraham, I'm going to give you a land. Abraham says, where? God says, I'll tell you later. Just wander around. (laughs) Abraham, I'm going to give you a child. When? I'll tell you later. (laughs) Just wait. And then fourth, Abraham, kill your son. God, why? I'll tell you later. (laughs) Just go up the mountain with the knife and the fire. Abraham was P-O-H, plain old human. See that, that's why I like the Bible so much. It's not a book of legends and myths. It's real people in real places. And a lot of them are losers just like us. Now, I say that gently. (laughs) But they're weak and they're frail. And how is it that Abraham can become known as the friend of God? Wouldn't it be nice to be known as the friend of God? Hey, see that dude? That's the friend of God. He's the friend of God. And every test God sent him, he passed. Now he got frustrated along the way. Sometimes he took matters into his own hands, but ultimately he believed God and the Bible says it was credited to him as righteousness. And he lived a big life in the midst of all these promises God gave, but he still had to wait. 25 years, come on, 25 years. But he lived a big life, nothing deterred him. He just kept going, he kept wondering till God showed him where he's gonna live. Kept waiting till God gave him the child. Left his home, left everything believing that God would fulfill his promises. That is the life I want, the big life. You keep your head up no matter what's going, you go forward and you just raise everybody up with you. And it's not the power of positive thinking. Give me a break. It's not to become disjointed or disconnected from reality. It's to know reality. And because you know it, you still trust and you know that God will deliver. That's the life I want. It's a life I don't have. I'm just being honest. I have seasons of it but it's the life I want for you. How do we get it? Well, the first clue is actually all the way over in the book of Hebrews chapter six, where the writer refers back to the story in Genesis 15. And this is what the writer says in verse 17, Hebrews six, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. Now you and I are the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. We're gonna talk about the oath momentarily. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as the anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Now look up and please listen. Man, we're about to go into a text that I, if you will listen, if you will stay tuned, you will walk out of here today seeing something you've never seen before. I guarantee it. No matter how long you've been a Christian, you'll say, wow, wow, I never knew that. And it will help you to live the big life. Now, the first thing Abraham did was the Bible said he took the promises of God and they became the anchor of his soul. So no matter when his life was falling apart and he's tossed by the winds and the waves and it looks like his boat is going to capsize, he was able to reach down on the inside and make the promises of God the anchor of his soul. Now, what does that mean Exactly. When we lived in New Zealand, I had a friend by the name of Bill McCarthy who was a television icon. And Bill and I became good friends. You've heard me talk about him before. Bill loved to fish in the ocean. He had a small boat. Now, small boat. I don't like the ocean. I like the beach. I do, I love the beach. I love to go down Newport Beach, hang out, go out to Ruby's, have a turkey sandwich, cranberry sauce, it's beautiful. My wife will say, why do you want to go to the beach? You never get in the ocean. And I say, I said, I want to go to the beach. I didn't say I wanted to go to the ocean. I don't trust the ocean. It makes serious efforts to kill you. I stay on the beach. Now, my dad visited me in New Zealand while he was still living. And when he came, he said, look, I want to to go fishing in the ocean. My dad's a trout fisherman. He grew up in Tennessee, so he fished every stream he could but he wanted to go out in the ocean. I told my friend Bill McCarthy, and he said, bring your dad down to the Coromandel Peninsula. It's a beautiful place, and we'll go out in my boat. Did I mention it was a small boat? A small boat, and we'll go out and catch some fish. And he said, better yet, come down, and I'll show you what a true Kiwi summer is like. We'll sleep in tents and take showers through these little things that pump water down on you. And that is the last thing I wanted to do. To me, camping is for everybody else but me. (laughs) You just, you stink and you smell and the showers aren't good and I just don't like it. And so I, okay, for the sake of my dad, knowing that he's not going to live much longer, I'll bring him down. Brought him down. Well, you got to catch the fish if you're going to eat when you're camping Kiwi style. No restaurants, no supermarkets around. You're out in the boonies. So we got out in the boat one evening. We're going to out and catch some fish and I was nervous right away. Did I mention the boat was small? (laughs) This was a small boat built for two. We had three people in it, Bill, myself, my dad. And we go out and I'm starting to get nervous because, man, we're talking about the Pacific Ocean here, wild, untamed. On the other side is the Tasman Sea, but this certain season, this time of year, man, the waves and the billows were rolling. We got out there and to me, my knowledge, we just kept going farther and farther out. And the farther out we went, the more nervous I got. And we were fishing, everybody was having a good time except me. And I'm thinking this is not good and then we experience what is called whiteout. Do you know what whiteout is? Whiteout is popular in the North and South Pole, but you can also have it in the ocean when the color of the sky becomes the same color as the ocean. And you can't tell where the ocean stops and the sky starts. So I had no idea where we were. And in my mind, we were just floating out farther and farther and I'm getting more and more terrified. I don't see any life jackets. I'm sure Bill had them there, but I didn't see them. And I know that if we boat, if we capsize, my dad's a goner. Matter of fact, so am I, (laughs) probably all of us. After a while, my friend Bill looked at me and said, what's wrong, Jeff? And I said, well, Bill, I'm uncomfortable. I think, you know, I don't even know where land is. I can't even tell where we are. And we don't have a compass out, we don't have anything. He looked at me and said, Jeff, I dropped the anchor about two hours ago. I said, anchor? He said, yeah, anchor. It goes down in the ocean, and keeps you in one place. You mean we haven't been moving for two hours? No. Well, where's the land? It's about 10 minutes right over there. Oh, okay, let's fish. Anchor. Here's Here's the problem with an anchor. If you put the anchor down in the water and it doesn't go all the way down, what happens? You still float around because the water moves around. But if you go all the way down to the rocks... You're stable. You're unmovable, unshakable. Here's the problem in my life and probably in yours. The reason we don't live the big life is we have one of two issues. Number one, we have the wrong anchor. See, we put our faith and trust in our job. As long as I have this job, man, I'm gonna make it in life. I'm gonna have all the money I want and I'm gonna succeed. Ask 18% of the people who live in the state of California and they're gonna tell you, you got no guarantees you're gonna keep your job. You got no guarantees that you'll be working next year where you are now. You say, well, I'm self-employed. You might fire yourself. (laughs) You say, well, I got my looks. And as long as I have my looks, I'm okay. Really? Really? I can promise you that your looks will fade away. Talents. As long as I'm ta- I have these talents or some of you, it's like, I have the ability to work harder than everybody else. So I'm going to work hard, work hard, and I will be able to face and penetrate any obstacle. Problem is you don't know your health from one year to the next. You don't know how strong you're going to be. You don't know how willing or how able you will be to work so hard to make it through life circumstances. you got no guarantees. Some of you, is, well, as long as I have this friend, I've got this friend, rock solid, immovable. Let me tell you something I've learned about moms and dads and friends. Moms die. Dads pass away and friends move away. And if your anchor is in people or in any circumstance at all, no matter how much well-intentioned you are, you're in shallow water. If you put your anchor down in the water and it's not down in the rocks, then the ebb and flow of life is gonna do a number on your faith and your trust and your ability to live the big life. Now that's the first problem. Second problem is this. For some of us, we have the right anchor, but it doesn't go deep enough. You you believe somewhere down deep inside in your soul, and your soul knows very well that there's a God. And you believe that he's large, but you're not convinced he's in charge. Because if he were in charge, these things that are happening to you in your life would not happen in your mind. So yes, you believe God, but your anchor doesn't go down so deep that you trust God the promises of God, that he has a hope, that he has a plan, that he has a future to prosper you, you simply don't really believe it. Now, here's the good news. God knows we have trust issues. He's okay. He's not angry, but he knows if you're ever going to be able to live the big life, he's got to get your anchor down in the deep water, into something that does not shift or change. And the reason Abraham was able to live a big life and be called the friend of God was not because he was anything special. Not because he had more talents and abilities than you. Not because he just had a resolve that is unexplainable. It's because God helped him get the anchor down. And here's how. In chapter 15, verse eight, Abraham's response to all these promises, he says, oh, sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? Look at that. How can I know? Isn't that the issue? God, how can I know that you're gonna bless my people? And we're gonna be as numerous as the stars in the sky and that through our generations will come one who will bless all nations. How can I know this land that you're gonna give me? How can I know that you'll give me this child? How can I know? And we're doing the same thing. How can we know, God, that you plan to prosper us? How can we know that you will fulfill the promises you have made? How can we know that you'll work all these things that are happening in my life out together for your good? How can I be so sure? And notice in the text, God does not say, Abraham, how dare you ask me that? Who do you think you are? Don't you know I'm God? God is big enough to handle Abraham's doubt. Instead, God loves Abraham and says, I know your problem issue. You got to trust issue. I know your problem, Abraham. I'm gonna help you get the anchor down. Here's what happens in verse nine. So the Lord said to him, this is interesting. Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram each three years old, along with the dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these things to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. The birds then came, or then birds of prey came, rather, down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. Now, this is bizarre. You know what God's asked Abraham to do. Think about it. Abraham says, I want it. Sorry, God says, I want you to get your anchor down. I'm going to help you. So here's how we're going to do it. I want you to go get some animals and cut them into pieces. And lay them opposite each other so that there's a trance between the two. Now, what's bizarre is Abraham doesn't say, you want me to do what? It's like Abraham knows exactly what God is about to do. In fact, anybody in the ancient world that would have read this text would have known exactly what God is about to do. And I want to help you understand what he's doing.
1: How can we trust in God? That's the same thing Abraham is struggling with in this passage in Genesis chapter 15. But we need to pause there and Pastor Jeff will continue unpacking that in our next episode.
0: How do I know He's really gonna prosper me? That He has a hope, a plan, a future? How do I know? How do I know God will deliver? And Abraham, remember this is for all generations, the heirs of the promise, that's us. He said to Abraham, I'll tell you how, because I'm going to walk through the pieces. And when God walks through the pieces, here's what he's saying. If I don't do what I promise to do, may I be cut into pieces.
1: Today with
0: Jeff Vines.
1: For more from Pastor Jeff,